Hello everyone and welcome to the Child of the Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. I just really, really wanted to dive into a topic today that is very important and very personal to me. But to be honest, it is also rather controversial. And that topic today is annotating books. I think you either love it or you hate it. And it very well might be that you out there hate it because it reminds you of school. You just want to read for fun and you don't want to have like a too academic approach to that hobby. Or you are a purist and your books need to stay in absolutely pristine condition so that you could give them away or sell them at any point in time and that is totally fine. You do you, I was like that for the longest time, but throughout the past five years or so I found a deep love for annotating certain, not all, but certain books within me. And because my husband and I very recently in September had a vacation where we stayed at home and spent some cozy autumn time in our new apartment and I sat on the couch and read and annotated a book that I just knew I was going to love, he actually very often pointed out that he finds it a bit strange that I as someone who loves books so much annotates books. <laughs> tabs them, writes in them, underlines, all of those things. So here I am shedding some light on this situation. And now mind you, I am not completely going havoc on my books. Even my annotated books are absolutely pristine. No watermarks, rips, dog-eared pages or cracked spines. You won't find any of that over here. And even when I annotate, it is still very minimal, you know, straight lines subtle color schemes so overall when you go through the book you see my sort of reading spirit that went into the book but it's not that type of spirit that disturbs the room throws down pictures from the walls and turns over furniture <laughs> but rather a spirit that is a nice tenant who lives in the space but still keeps it clean if you will i hope that makes sense however if even this very orderly sort of annotation is still too much for you and you are a purist and you consider a book that has come in contact with a pen as a victim of book violence, feel free to end this episode now. No hard feelings. You do you, I do me. See you in the next episode. But for everyone who is interested in what I do, how I do it and why and what led me here, Hi, you've come to the right podcast. But first of all, why do I annotate at all? Because let's be honest, I know a lot of people will ask themselves, why the frick one would do that? When I first started reading with passion again after high school, I never thought I was an annotator. I was over it. I did not love the fluorescence of the highlighters that you could find in the stores. Mind you, back then, pastel colored highlighters were not a thing, okay? <laughs> We're talking like a few years back here. And it really also took me significantly longer to read a book if I annotated it. Or I would like quickly annotate and then the line would be wobbly and would ruin the book aesthetic and uh, it was a mess. So it really, really was not fun and I was not a fan. But now 
a few years later, with a certain distance from high school and university, I thought back and realized what and why our teacher wanted us to annotate, which is basically a that you deepen your understanding of the story and really work with the text and b find passages, information and quotes more quickly. And I reflected, looking back, that I could actually remember so many more details even about the most boring books literature in the classroom had to offer versus the even pretty good ones that I did not annotate. So much so that that really got me thinking. And to be honest, I was just in that weird transitional stage of my English reading life that I started to grow out of young adult literature and ventured more into the stories, especially written for adults. And along the way, I read a lot of stories that just were not right for me at the time and I just felt meh about them. And I was yearning for stories that inspire me to want to know all about the world, the characters and just be so into them. So this was probably the first starting point where I even considered to also annotate my casually read books if I really, really liked them. And that really liking part shows pretty well when you see that I definitely do not annotate all of my books. I just annotate the ones that I really enjoy along the way, like the Skyward series, The Name of the Wind, Jane Austen's novels, or newly also Babel, which is the book that I'm currently annotating. The ones where I just really have the need to get even more sucked into the story and to also revisit certain parts and passages. And whenever my husband side-eyes me when I crack open my annotation pouch and get out my supplies, I remind him that he played his favorite video game, The Last of Us Part 2, three times in a row. Three times. Once for the overall story, then again to take note of all the little details, and then a third time where he skipped all of the cutscenes and dialogue and, mind you, one normal playthrough of that game takes 20 to 30 hours and he did that to fully get immersed in the story and know all of the details. So I think it's kind of the same thing like me with annotating. <laughs> now I already mentioned my annotation pouch and if you want to see what it looks like you can head over to my Instagram at child of the library. It is this really cute black and blush pink pouch with a dog tooth check pattern. Now everyone, I really needed to look this up because in German this pattern is called Hahnentritt, which is literally translated into rooster's kick. So this whole dog tooth business is really throwing me off here. But anyway, the pouch is really, really cute. And inside I have an array of utensils that I will list now. A ruler, because your girl needs to draw straight lines to keep the book's aesthetic up. An array of zebra mild liners, which are those very popular jewel-tipped highlighters that come in not strictly pastel colors, but very muted tones. They have a broad tip and a finer tip, and I love to use the finer tip to underline. A black gel pen, at the moment that is a Lamy typo. Post-its and colored but transparent circle stickers. Those are a little extravagant, but I will come to what I use them for in a second. And last but not least, my book darts, which are these 
metal pins that you slide onto the page that literally do not fall off no matter how much you would ever shake the book. And they also do not use glue, so the text would never lift off the page. And using these six simple tools, my annotation process is actually pretty straightforward. Now I know that there are a lot of people out there who annotate in a very colorful way. They have sticky tabs in different colors, each color representing a moment of love, friendship, grief, hate, or whatever they personally choose in a sign. And then they also sometimes match the color for underlining with the sticky tab color, which is indeed really colorful and fun to look at, but a little too bright for me personally. I mentioned at the beginning that I annotate but try to keep the book's aesthetic as intact as possible. So I personally always choose one color, mostly based off of the cover to underline. For Skyward, for example, that was yellow. For Starside, it was gray. Cytonic and the name of the wind were red and Babel now is black. But you might ask yourself, Marike, if you use highlighters, why do you just underline and not highlight the entire height of the text? And that is a very good question that I actually have a reasonable answer to. My last high school German teacher was a horrible teacher. When it comes to the pedagogical part of being a teacher, he was very mean. He always picked on pupils who did not have German parents or even one non-German parent. He was very old and had these weird ideas stuck in his head and never really opened up even a tiniest crack and had some very weird methods. But he was, looking back, right with one thing. He once said that he does not want us to use highlighters, but rather just underline the text. Because if you have a highlighted section on the page, you will never see anything else on the page again. And at the time, I just thought it was him being annoying and taking the fun out of reading his boring materials for good. But now, with a few years of separation, I see that he had a point in that, at least that one thing. Because if you go back to a page and you highlighted something the first time around, your brain is tricked into thinking that the bright yellow blob springing at you from the page is the only thing worth noticing again on the page. Well, you could at the same time have missed and overlooked something that is written between the lines or something that was actually an important hint, but you didn't find it relevant at first. So he was a crappy teacher, but he did have a point with this particular annotation method. But if I underline something, that does not automatically mean that the page also gets a tab. I really only use my tabs, which are the book darts I explained earlier, for very important moments. Only the most beautiful quotes and big plot twists. So they anchor me within the story, but don't overwhelm me when I try to find something, if that makes any sense. What I then also very recently incorporated for books that have big overarching dividers within them, like let's say book one within the book or part one, etc. I like to use sticky notes and briefly jot down a few thoughts I have on each 
big divider chapter. But this is also just for the very, very most favorite books. This is no given that I do that for every book I annotate. But I also do that when I do buddy reads, for example, and I have regular check-ins with the people and then I simply can go back to my notes and see what I want to tell them. And the very last thing I also now freshly started doing is to use circle transparent stickers for little language quirks. So for example, Babel very heavily revolves around language and one of our main characters was born in China. So every now and then there are Chinese characters showing up in the text that I like to have popping up from the page. So I put the transparent sticker over them and that is like a very, very special form of highlighter to me. And because for everyone who maybe has not listened to the older episodes where I mentioned this, I lived in China for a couple of months and also learned Chinese there. So this particular element of the book was just a fun thing for me to play with in my annotation. Now this might all sound a little abstract. So I shot a reel over on my Instagram that I will link you in the show notes of this episode that really shows you all my supplies and how my pages look like after I went over them. And you will see what I mean by not too colorful and close to the book's aesthetic. To sort of close this topic off, I thought to give my personal answer to two of the probably most asked questions that hold people back from annotating that I could think of at least. And those are, isn't it burdensome in some way? And the second is, what if I one day decide that I don't want to have my books annotated anymore? Or what if I want to sell them again? And actually, when I thought about them, my answer to both is actually very simple. And that is don't be too hard. Don't be too hard on yourself that you need to annotate every book or that you need to annotate every classic or a book upon the first read. No one is forcing you to do it. You can decide at your own pace. And if you feel that it is better for you to just power through the book quicker and not annotate, that is no problem at all. And sometimes if you really want to take that leap from annotating, always remember absence makes the heart grow fonder. So the next time when you want to annotate, you really, really look forward to it. Reading should be a hobby and you should not put additional stress on you with things that instead should be just a fun nerdery for your personal experience. And also don't be too hard on the book if you have second thoughts. You can always underline with pencil. You can not write into the book itself, but rather on post-its and stick them onto the page in question. And if push comes to shove and you want to remove the annotations, you can do so quite easily. Now, I really, really hope you enjoyed this little segue into my annotation journey. I hope you got some helpful tips and maybe also got inspired to try annotating yourself. If you have any more questions, you can write me an email or a direct message on Instagram. I will put all of that information in the show notes as well. And until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye!